Morning, everybody. So quiet in here today. I almost didn't want to say anything. We have this little like tea towel. It's like a decorative one. You know, because that's what you do. And you know, you've been married long enough. You start buying stuff that it's like, well, it's just to look at. It's like you know, towels are for drying stuff off, or so I thought. But if you ever use the tea towel to try and dry anything, you know how useless that is. So anyway, but we have this little tea towel at home that says, uh, silence is golden unless you have children and then silence is suspicious. And I can tell you that if, if your children are playing in another part of the house or they're just occupying some other part of the house and you can't hear them, you may want to check on them. I can tell you some stories. Jesus, we just thank you so much for your word this morning, God, for your presence, God, for this place to gather in your name, Lord, when, uh, to, to fellowship with you, God, to fellowship with the saints, God, we just we thank you for uh, this, this opportunity today, and God, today I pray that you would take this word and that you would uh, Planted inside of us. God, break up the fallow ground of our hearts. God, soften us with the oil of your presence. And break down every barrier that would uh, prevent us from receiving the things that you have to say today. God, uh, including uh, me being able to say this thing that you're, that you're trying to say. God, I'm not asking that everybody could understand what I'm saying and, and regurgitate it later, God, but to to have it planted in them. God, in your name we pray it. Amen and amen. Go with me to Deuteronomy 6. Hey, how's it going? It's exciting up here, isn't it? Well, see, if I had a sweater that looked that good, I'd want everybody to see it too. I don't know if you guys are into roller coasters or not. There's like, there's kind of this moment when you get on a roller coaster and it's too late to turn back once you start up that, that hill at the beginning, you know. And you're nervous about this thing that you have embarked upon and you're thinking, what was I thinking? But at the same time, you're thinking, this is going to be great. Uh, and this morning we were listening to this, this, uh, New Stephen Curtis Chapman album, and he did like a a re-recording of that song Cinderella that he wrote for his little girl all those years ago. I don't know something about seeing that pop up on the little screen that Cinderella is like it's like getting on the roller coaster and the, you pass the point of no return because if you have a little girl, I challenge you to listen to that song and not cry like a little little girl. So we get to the end of the song, and Zoe's like, can we listen to that again? I was like, I need a break first, but yeah. It's like, ah. so, and it's even sweeter when you find out that he wrote that song before, before he, his little girl passed away, that he just was reminding himself that not to miss her childhood. That uh, makes, it more, makes it feel better and worse at the same time. But anyway, uh, so in Deuteronomy 6, 
And Deuteronomy is a great book. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a, a, a repeat of a lot of what what Moses told them in uh, in the the preceding books about the law, kind of this re- reiteration of the law, and it has kind of a different tone to it, I suppose, sort of a as as if Moses sees God differently, as if he knows him differently than he did the first time around. Um, the the thing that is interesting to me about Deuteronomy, it's like when you, when I, I uh, used to be around in the mornings when my kids were off getting off to school, I used to actually have the luxury of taking them to school myself on the way to work, which was super cool. But uh, uh, I remember when uh, when Levi was in preschool, I would take him to school and I would walk him in and I'd walk down the hall with him to his classroom, and every day I would ask him. If he was ready for the awesomenosity that is school, and he would be walking along and be like, "Is that it?" <laughs> and uh, I'd be like, "Are you ready to make your sacrifice upon the altar of knowledge?" And he'd just stare straight ahead. He's like, "Stop it!" And be like, and I'd ask him, "Are you ready to pursue righteousness today?" And that's exactly what he said. <laughs> No, I'd have fun with him. I'd like walk down the hall backwards, be like talking to him, like, "So are you ready for this?" And he's like, "Stop it!" Stop it. <laughs> Which is great because you all know Levi, and it's like, really, seriously, Levi? Like bouncing off the walls, Levi doesn't want me to be silly in public. Okay, <laughs> but you know, there's something about sending your kids off somewhere. I don't know. You know, it's great because there's this weird built-in thing that your children will behave better for other people than they will for you most of the time, which is always a relief when, on Saturdays when we drop our children off here and, uh, you know, kind of throw Daniel to the wolves. And uh, <laughs> it's like I can only imagine the, the courage that it took him to do that, to take the kids bowling and pizza and everything yesterday. Like, that's a lot of kids. Mike and I... Uh, Somehow ended up uh, chaperoning like a sleepover of about 20 boy, uh, young boys at the church one day, one weekend. Remember, it was like three in the morning. I'm like, I will call your mom, like now. <laughs> it's like if you don't stop and listen to me. <sighs> now every mom in here is like, is that my kid? <laughs> Probably. But. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, um, but you know, um, Deuteronomy to me kind of has that that sense to it of you're sending them off somewhere and you're not going to be supervising them and you are just like, please, please behave. I, I tell my kids, when, <laughs> I, I tell my kids when we go to the store or you know we're going to be out somewhere in public if if they're kind of being a little rowdy or whatever. Like, look, as far as anyone here knows, we are nice, normal people. Let's please, please leave them with that impression. Like, I don't care if it's accurate or not. I just want to leave them with that impression. And so Deuteronomy kind of has that sense. Moses is like, okay, so I'm sending you. You guys are going into the promised land. I'm not going with you. Um, Joshua is going to go with you and, and lead you there. Uh, please, please, please follow the things that God has told you. And, and so, and he reiterates it all for them. 
You know, at one point he says, I set before you, you know, life and death. It's like, you know, because you can obey God and things will go well with you, or you cannot obey God and they will not go well for you. Uh, so here in uh, Deuteronomy 6, it's terrible trying to find a place to start here uh, to get where I want to go. Because all these verses I want to read start with and. So it's like, you know, and what? Well, what are we saying and about? So, long story short, here in Deuteronomy 6, he talks about teaching your, your family the Word of God and and the importance of passing on the things that, that God has has taught to the generations following. And you can see what a disaster it is for generations to grow up with less and less and less input from the church, less input from the Word of God uh, in our country. I mean, I grew up with virtually zero input from what I had no idea what the Bible said, not a thing. And uh, I didn't know anything about God. I didn't know anything about uh, about what the Bible taught or anything like that. And and grew up in, I suppose, what you could call a basically okay house. But it's like, you know, what, you know, what is the, what do we expect from a generation if they grow up without the Word of God, what chance do they really have? You know, and um, so so Moses is talking about the importance of that and, and how you're going to go into the land of Canaan and God is going to bless you with all of this stuff and it's all stuff that God's just going to hand it to you. I mean, you're going to fight some battles, but you're going to have these you know, vineyards that you didn't plant. You're going to have wells that you didn't dig. You're going to have houses that you didn't build. And, and he says, beware lest you forget God. It's like, don't, you know, because you need him right now. You need him because you're out in the wilderness. You need him because you're getting ready to make this conquest into the land of Canaan. But don't forget about him once you get comfortable. Because that's super, super easy to do. Um, but he, um, and he, so he talks about diligently keeping the commandments, and, and he says, and I'll just start in 20, when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what mean the testimonies and statutes and judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you? And if you have kids, you, you know what that, you, you've had that conversation before. It's like, why? It's like, I don't want to sit through another church service. You know, if your kids go to five church services a week, they do get a little antsy. I get it. But uh, they're way shorter than school. I mean, dang, you know. Yeah, there's some clever young man in, who shall remain nameless in this church uh, came up with like an acronym for school or whatever you call that, like a little acrostic type deal. It's like, you know, seven crappy hours of our lives. And uh, I thought, okay, that's great. And I've, I've tried to keep my children from being evangelists of that cause, but... But, you know, it's like, it's, you know, I mean, school's way longer, and you sit still for that, you know? So, it's not that bad. But anyway, when your son asks you in time to come, what mean the testimonies and statutes and judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you? When you shall say unto thy son, we were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and sore, upon Egypt and Pharaoh and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore to our fathers. 
This is where I really wanted to get to. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe all these, all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. So our New Testament Pentecostal 21st century mind says, wait a minute, it shall be our righteousness if we keep all these commandments? Nuh-uh. You know, and the great deal of the church has gone that direction. It's like, I don't have to keep the commandments. I don't have to keep the law. That's Old Covenant. That's Old Testament stuff. You know, and the most obvious thing I could think, I could think to point out is, well, can you kill people now? Is that okay? Because we're not under the Old Covenant? Can you steal stuff now because we're not under the Old Covenant? You know, um, the interesting thing about about uh, the the new covenant and uh, and being under grace is we feel like it's it's there it's almost less than that it requires less of us and and actually it requires more because um, because the law was completely an external thing and you you can. Now, I've I've talked to people that smiled at me and and talked to me, you know, people that I, I deal with in business and stuff, and it's like they're smiling, but sometimes I wonder if they're just baring their teeth at me instead, you know. And uh, I mean, none of us do that. I know the Baptists do, but um, but you know, uh, the 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 Bible talks a lot about how. Especially if you in in Hebrews about how the you know the law is all coming at you from the outside. It's all you know. It's like the uh, it's like the stoplights and the little like the you know the the cameras that uh, you know take pictures of your license plate and mail you the tickets. Like that's the law, you know. But um, but this this new covenant, this covenant of grace, is actually more demanding because it's not just about presenting a good face to everybody it's about what's in your heart and 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 so that's actually way more stringent because uh, you know i i know sometimes you know people grow up in church and they get really good at kind of leading the double life you know presenting one face to everybody that they deal with in church and at home and stuff like that and then they go to school and there's someone else entirely or they go to work and there's someone else entirely and so um, and that, in a nutshell, is is a great illustration of the, the, you know, what the law can't do, because it can't change that thing in your heart. So, you know, this this and this word righteousness is interesting. Uh, uh, I didn't really spend a, get to spend a lot of time researching this, but from what I could find, this really wasn't a word in English until like the. 1500s, and and so it's sort of in that sense almost a manufactured word in some ways, but it but it, it means rectitude, you know, uh, right action, uh, it you know justice even you know and of course you guys probably know that there is no word righteousness in Spanish, and and that in the Spanish Bible they use the word justicia which is justice uh, anywhere that the King James would use the word righteous. Righteousness. So, 
Uh, and that's, a, of course, a great, uh, a great word. They, they are really used somewhat interchangeably uh, throughout the Bible. Um, and so uh, I want to um, keep that verse 25 in mind there. Uh, it should be our righteousness if we observe these commandments. And go with me over to Romans chapter 3. It's really fun and disconcerting sometimes when the Bible appears to absolutely contradict itself. And there's nothing more fun than having a discussion with with, uh, an unbeliever who wants to pick the Bible apart and say, well, it says this and then it says this. Like, yes, it does. Um, And it's always interesting... um, Uh, you know, digging around in the Word of God and, and and looking to Him for those answers of well, how does that work then? Because <laughs> that doesn't that's, because here's what I wanted to read in, in Romans chapter three. Uh, it says, "Now we know that what things soever the law says, it says to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in His sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin." Uh, that was, uh, I'm sorry, that was 19 and 20 in chapter 3. So, uh, seems to directly contradict what, what he said in Deuteronomy that we just read. Um, and, uh, you know, I love, uh, you know, some of these, uh, some of the marginal readings that, that it pops up because sometimes they're really super helpful. And I love in verse 19 it says that, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become subject to the judgment of God. So that's the purpose of the law then, is this sense of being subject to the judgment of God. Because there's a standard, right? So the Bible says the death reigned from Adam to Moses. because, uh, But there was no law. Uh, there, they, we didn't have the, uh, the, the law that he handed down off Sinai. We didn't have that yet. And so what Moses, or what Adam and Eve had... And what they passed down was this sense of judgment, this knowledge that there is good and evil, but with no criteria by which to figure out what would be good and what would be evil. And so you can see in the world around us just how well that works for flesh to decide what's good and what's evil. And just as the Bible says, uh, we are now at this place where they call evil good and good evil. And uh, so, um, so he says here that, or well, so so then, so humanity needed some kind of criteria then to know, well, okay, so there's right and wrong. What, what then is God's standard for right and wrong? And so, of course, he gives us the Ten Commandments. He gives us the law at Sinai, and. Uh, and it teaches us a lot about who God is, and and it and does teach us a lot about His expectations. And that's what Moses is talking to them here in Deuteronomy. He said that, um, you know, this is what God expects for you to do. This is how God expects for you to live. And it's not because He uh, He has arbitrarily come up with this this system of of values or whatever, and and He wants you to follow it because He's God. He said that this is for your good always. And so 
if if the whole world lived according to the tenets of the word of God, how great would the world be? If if we if if uh, if entire if like the society of the entire world was built on on loving your neighbor as yourself and and preferring one another in love, how awesome would it would life be? But unfortunately, it isn't. Uh, but see, that's God's expectation, though, isn't it? That uh, that we would live according to His word, and not because these are my rules and you better do it. This is this is for your good. And everybody that's ever worked with kids or have kids, you understand that that's kind of what rules are for. Uh, we, we have this uh, fun little phrase we like to use at our house: "Rules help control the fun." So. <laughs> Because you've all played with that bossy kid that had to have everything their way, of course, and that's no fun. But, um, but you know, rules are to keep you safe. When I was a kid, you know, I lived on the very, very edge of town, kind of this weird, isolated part of town that there was really only one way in and out of that part of town. And, uh, of course, it was Baldwin, so, you know, I think that's like a, a French phrase that means void of life. But... Um, when I lived there, it was so tiny, so, so tiny when I was growing up, and way smaller than it is now. And uh, uh, the neighborhood I lived in was even a dirt road, even though it was technically within the city limits, and uh, sort of. Uh, I mean, literally across the street from my house growing up was just an empty field. And uh, um, so I had this rather small area that I was confined to that I could leave the house and I could wander the neighborhood, and um, there are these two churches there. One, the one where Cynthia and I got married, and one right across the street from it that's not a church anymore. But uh, that was kind of my boundary. I was not not allowed to go past that, and uh, you know, I chafed at that, of course, um, as you know, as all kids do, and uh, you know, pushed at the boundaries and I'd wander other places and. Uh, I remember wandering a little ways past my my boundary and having this little sense in the back of my mind like, you're breaking the rules, this is bad, you're going to get in trouble. And my aunt, who I'm sure had no idea where my boundary was, just happened to be driving in, coming home from wherever she was. And uh, (laughs) she saw me and waved and I was like, looked at her and did that because I was like, I have no explanation for why I'm out here where I'm not supposed to be. And of course she had no idea I wasn't where I was supposed to be, so nothing ever happened about it. But but I had this sense of um oh, breaking the rules, you know, and yeah, and that's a good thing. That's a really good thing to have that. And and that's you know that and that's uh you know a great deal of what the fear of God is about. Um, and uh um, and so a healthy fear of what happens when you, you don't do things right is, is certainly good. So, so he has this this thing here in Deuteronomy where he says that it's going to be your righteousness to obey the word of God, to do the stuff that he says to do. Uh, essentially, the law, because that's what he's just been talking about. And then here in Romans three, he says, "By the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified." And yeah. So, and these these words are pretty much, I mean, the same words. They're pretty much uh, equivalent to each other in their languages. Um, 
And uh, the thing is, is we have, you know, it, it really is your righteousness, in a sense, to do the stuff that God tells you to do. Because he has that expectation for you. He's laid that out there for you to do. And, and he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So that's that's pretty simple. Um, and so, you know, I, I hate to, as much as I love words, I, I hate to, like, split semantic hairs. But, you know, I think a great deal of how these verses come together is really just that. It's kind of a sense of our understanding of what these words are actually saying. Because you're not going to be justified before God in the sense of the pearly gates are going to swing open when you get there because you did everything right, because you obeyed because you obeyed His Word. And uh, if, if you missed Ben's Bible study on Wednesday night, shame on you. It was awesome. Uh, just kidding. It was, but it was a blessing. And... Uh, um, and he was because he was talking about God, um, you know, not doing away with the law, but establishing it, yeah. and and how um, it's uh, you know there's this sense of not being justified by the law, but being justified by faith, and that's of course what he's talking about as you go through this passage um, in uh, in Romans from. Uh, uh, you know, uh, in fact, Ben suggested, "Hey, you should you know, I don't have time to read this whole thing. You should read like chapter three through eight and check it out." And, and I didn't even get through it all because I was like, "Oh, this is so great!" Oh. And and uh, um, so I think, but that really is the key difference. Is is it? It really is right action. It really is rectitude of behavior to keep the commandments to do the stuff that God tells you to do. And uh, and it really does shine that light of, of God because people can see then that you live differently. And um, there, there's, uh, there are a few things more awkward and amusing than talking to somebody who does not understand your reasoning for doing something because it's something spiritual. Um, you know, uh, uh, Mike and I's business coach was pushing us and pushing us to do these these uh, home shows, um, and uh, we were really hesitating about it and just kind of ignoring him because the the bulk of it is happens on Saturday. It's like, well, Saturday is the Sabbath day. It's like I'm not really interested in working on Saturday. And I don't work on Saturday. That was a that was something that Mike and I. Uh, agreed on when we started our business 11 years ago. It's like, we don't work on Saturdays. We've worked a couple when we absolutely, there was no way around it. Hated every second of it. Um, but we made this decision that that's, that's just how this works. And so our business coach is a Christian of sorts, and, and he's talking to us about, he's like, y'all got to do this show. He's like, so you can't just send your guys over there on Saturday to work this show. He's like, that's crappy. And he's like, like the bosses stay home on Saturday and go fishing or whatever, and your guys are out there working. Like that's crap. <laughs> it's like, okay, Brandon, and he's from Alabama, you know. So you know what are you gonna do? But um, uh, and we we just kind of hemmed and hawed and deflected and 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 of course it kept coming up because we're paying him all this money to make us uncomfortable and push us and dig at us and all that stuff. And, 
And so finally we just tore the band-aid off one day. We're like, well, here's the deal, Brandon. Saturday. Sabbath day. You know? And and I, I, I don't care what kind of opportunity this presents. If if God is not okay with us working on Saturday, we're not going to work on Saturday. You know, it's one thing if God gives you a job that requires you to work Saturday, but you know, when you don't have a boss, then whose decision is it whether or not you work on Saturday? Mine, exactly, or Mike's rather, because he's the boss. And uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so uh, you know, and uh, obviously we, you know, we 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 prayed about it, we chit chatted with Ron about it some. Felt like we should go ahead and do it, but but there is nothing like trying to explain that to him because he didn't get it. He was like, "Well, he's like, it's like one Saturday, guys." It's like, I, I, yeah, yeah, it's one Saturday. I know. You know and so, um, yeah, it's you know, it's an interesting thing to try and explain to someone because you you all have you know friends or family or co-workers or whoever that, you know, they don't understand you. <laughs> they don't understand why you do what you do. They don't understand your decision-making process. They don't understand your values. Um, and uh, so, you know, that's always amusing. But, you know, they, they see that there's something different about you is, is really my point here. Um, and so, so people seeing the way that you live is super important. Um, I... Uh, confessional here i for years when i was in my my 20s i kind of had this misguided notion that if people didn't know i was a christian it really didn't matter what they thought it didn't really matter what they saw me do or what they perceived about me because they don't know i'm a christian what difference does it make <laughs> and you're all staring at me like how are you up there <laughs> Yeah. Be, uh, well, you, you all you all probably know what Martin Luther said about how uh, he's like you know God once spoke through the mouth of an ass and he may be getting ready to do it again. But um, <laughs> and so I don't know. You ever talk to somebody and they just kind of stare at you like, oh. After years, it was like I realized God is just sitting there looking at me like, oh, like it doesn't matter. It's like, yeah, you're right. They they don't know you're a Christian. <laughs> I'm just going to let that hang there for a while and let you think about that. I was kind of wondering if you were a Christian. <laughs> and then just like uh, the sheep and the goats in Keith Green's song, all of a sudden you lost your appetite. And it's like, um, okay. You know, and so you know, but that's the thing about character, isn't it? Is it's it it's it's all the time. It's through and through because if you are phony, people will pick up on it. Uh I I was reading this thing just this week or last week maybe it was, about um about like listening to people and and like talking with them and engaging them. And I am terrible at making eye contact with people. I just, it's so hard for me. It's like, not like I'm dishonest. I'm just like, oh, I can't. Eh. <laughs> and, and it's funny because, you know, as a salesman, that's kind of should be your, your deal. It's like you look them in the eye. And it's like, let me tell you all about this. And it's like, and I, I try. 
But I, most of the time, my customers stare me down, and I'm like looking away. And, it's like it's like I, it's like I've been overcome by your eyes. I got to look away and try this again, you know. But uh, um, one of the things that was really interesting um, was that they talked about you know if you are thinking about something else while they're talking, your eyes will glaze over, and and they will pick up on it. Even if it's like a subconscious thing, they will pick up on it, and they will realize you are not listening. And it's like, how do you feel when you realize that someone is not listening to you? Like, not too happy, typically, irritated, or or what have you. Um, I thought, wow, that's really interesting because you could look somebody in the eye, but your eye could completely glaze over, and you're thinking about something else. You're in your happy place, and they know that they are you are not listening to them, and it and it makes you come across as very ungenuine. And so, so. So that sense of it being your righteousness to keep the commandments of God, people can see it in your life. And if it's not a genuine thing, that's not something that that is a part of your life when nobody's around, as well as when you're in public, then people will pick up on it eventually, and and it will it will come out. And you know, I, you know, I love it because God says that He loves a cheerful giver, and so people can tell if you're giving grudgingly. <laughs> like you know we were all getting like some snacks and stuff and you know you know how how kids and me uh will like zone out and not pay attention to what's going on and so we're talking about hey you know get a snack you know we're gonna get ready for bed soon so i get i get a snack for me i get a snack for cynthia the boys didn't want anything i've got my like nice little hot salty snack i'm just getting ready to sit back down i mean i'm literally got like my knee in the chair and get ready to sit down and zoe's like can i have a hot dog like where were you when I was in the kitchen? And and so I, I couldn't help myself. I just okay. So I go back in the kitchen. It's like my here my my little snack is just bleeding taste units because it's getting cold. <laughs> yes, now you all know how weird I really am. But so I go and I. I I make Zoe her hot dog and stuff, but do you think that I did it cheerfully? Not particularly. I wasn't surly, but I mean, she could tell I wasn't. I mean, she she's seven. She's not stupid, you know. She's like, because immediately when I went, she's like, "Sorry, Dad." <laughs> she's like, "All right, all right." One of those moments where it's like, you know, I'll get the Cinderella hot dog because, you know, I know something the prince never knew and all that. You know, but, so, um, so, but here in uh, in Romans, he's talking about being justified before God because you keep the law. Does he expect you to? Yeah. And that's one of the things where the 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 church of our age has really just kind of been set adrift that it that you can kind of do whatever because God is this kindly grandpa that just kind of winks away everything and and you know it's like well boys will be boys you know and it's like well yeah they will but boys will go to hell too you know and so um you know God actually has um uh, again you know with the law you you sacrifice the animal; it's supposed to be costly to you, and and then you're you're 
but you're good to go, right? And then under grace, it's more so, not less, because the sacrifice is so much more valuable. And if you love him, then you don't take lightly the fact that that your actions have cost him. And so... Uh, you know, God never intended for this to be something that was a, oh, well, my bad, sorry, Lord, you know, and then move on. It doesn't work like that. And uh, so, so then um, it doesn't matter how good you can do. It doesn't matter how righteous you become by obeying the law. And yes, God expects that of you, but... It still doesn't make the pearly gate swing open because it would fly in the face of the value of God's sacrifice. Because and, and that's and that's what he goes on to talk about here in Romans. He's like, you know, this this uh you know, all of those sacrifices were simply a type and shadow of this sacrifice that I'm bringing. And after this, I'm not going to accept any other sacrifice. I'm not going to accept another animal. You can't bleed your own way to heaven. This is it. And um and so um, of course, then, he's going to say that you couldn't be justified by the deeds of the law. You could never go to heaven because you were a good person and you did it all right. It would have to be the blood because the guy who really was terrible at keeping the law and messed up all the time, God wants him to make it just as bad as he wants the wants the guy who's a really strapped trooper and has got all of his duckies in a row to make it. So, and And we all cheer for the underdog, don't we? You know, because we all identify with the underdog. We're all like, I was that guy that was really messed up and 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 God brought me in, thank God. So um, so yeah, you know, I, I think it's uh it's a it's a precious thing to recognize that that your actions they they they're not gonna make the pearly gates swing open for you. Never, never will. But God's expectation is still obedience and is still that our, our actions are righteous and that, that we, we uh, and he's given us this um, criteria to, to go by. He's, he's given us the instructions, you know, like they say, when in doubt, read the instructions. If you've ever put something together, you know, I, I love it now, like. A lot of times they have, like, they don't even have words in in the uh, some assembly required manuals. It's just pictures and letters. I, I like that. I mean, I, I like words as much as the next person, but I'm already intimidated coming up to this, like, project, thinking, oh, man, this is going to be a pain in the butt. And it's like, oh, words. You know, I, I like to just have pictures and letters. It's like, you know, put the, the flim flam in the zip zorp and... And tighten it accordingly, and you're going to be great. You know. So, anyway, so God, um, you know, He He spells out for us in black and white what His expectation is for us, uh, which is a, a really precious thing. But He also um, um, He has has made this this uh, this sacrifice for us this way that that could never that no amount of doing could ever surpass. And, and so, you know, I think it's it's an interesting thing to to just to see that uh, contrast of, of of God expecting us to obey Him, but also saying that you know you could never make heaven without 
without my blood. So, Jesus, we just thank you so much for your word to us. God, for your your great grace and mercy. And God, what we pray is that you would just uh, plant these things in us and that you would um, water them and uh, cause them to grow. Jesus, that you would bring that increase. God, that you would just touch every single heart. God, exactly where we're at. God, you know every need that we have in this place. Uh, God, and I just I pray uh, for that sense of expectation of, of receiving something from you today, God, that it would uh, that it would be elevated in every heart in this place, God. That we've we've not simply wandered in here because it's Sunday morning, God. What we want is to have something from you, God. And our expectation is you meeting us and you uh, ministering to us and you feeding our souls with your word. God, we just pray for your perfect will in all of these things. God, that you'd be glorified today. That you would accomplish exactly what you want in this place. That you would speak exactly what you would you would have. God, and that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive it. God, I pray it and ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.